Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We, we all, all share, share a love for Maine's environment. Every day, decisions are made that could impact our woods, waters, wildlife, and climate. Join us as we share stories of Mainers working to build healthier communities and protect what makes Maine so special. The Land for Maine's Future program is Maine's most successful and popular land conservation program. It has supported hundreds and hundreds of conservation projects across the state that have exceptional natural or recreational value or support Maine's heritage heritage industries of farming, fishing, and forestry. Uh, And it all started in 1987 when Maine voters approved a 35 million dollar bond that led the state to create the land for Maine's future program. And since that time, voters have repeatedly supported additional land bonds. In 2021, the legislature appropriated 40 million in state funding for LMF, uh, which which a lot of our supporters, NRCM supporters advocated for. Thank you. That money is being used to support um, many new projects and a broader range of projects. Well, in this episode of Frontline Voices, we're going to be speaking with the brand new director, well, not so new, new as of June, uh, director of the Land for Maine's Future program, Steve Walker, to learn a little bit more about what's made this program so successful. Steve joined LMF uh, earlier this year, like I said, in June, after an extensive professional career in conservation, both with the state and land trusts. Welcome to the podcast, Steve. Great to be here, Colin. So first things first, congratulations on your new position as director of LMF. I know folks here at NRCM are really excited to see you in that role. Well, hopefully I can live up to the big shoes I have to follow, like Tim Glidden and Sarah and the others. Yeah. So can you just tell us how the last few months have been going as you settle into this new role? Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been two months and it's been a steep learning curve, of course, coming from inland fisheries and wildlife to a completely different department at uh, agriculture, conservation and forestry. Um, I've had to learn a lot of accounting and a lot of budget practices that I hadn't had to deal with formally. But um, I got to say, it's been a smooth transition given the talent and high professionalism of my staff. I've got three senior planners who are well-versed in all aspects of the program. Um, and they've, you know, haven't given up on me yet. They've been patient. <laughs> um, I've had, we've had two board meetings so far. So I'm getting to know the board and the individual personalities of board members and just look, really look forward to continued work with them and with staff and with the main public. Nice. Well, I mean, you just mentioned the board. You also mentioned this career staff. And I just, I, it just reminds me, I used to work in state government back in the day in Massachusetts. And it's like those career professional staff in state government are so key. The volunteers that are part of the boards are so key. And then people like you leading the, the way are so key to the success of environmental programs. Oh, uh, yeah. And as you know, uh, Land for Maine's future projects, they, you know, they cross the board. Um, some of them get very complicated in terms of numbers of partners, numbers of issues at hand. And, you know, my staff is problem solvers. They can work with anyone. Two of them have legal backgrounds. Um, so, yeah, they're nice. They're, it's really great working with them. Well, so let's just take a little step back for our listeners and like, sure. you know, can you give us a little background on the history of the Land for Maine's Future program, what it's been able to achieve to, to date, sort of that elevator pitch 
about um, why LMF has been so successful and what it is. Absolutely. As you said in your intro, of course, the program was started in 1987 with an initial $35 million um, capitalization, thanks to the main public. And to date, we've dispersed probably $174 million. Um, I don't know how many projects. It's been like at least 800 plus parcels. We've done 74 uh, water access sites that cover about 66 miles of main shorelines, uh, 41 farms, which includes about 10,000 acres of good farmland soils and active farmland, um, 30 uh, commercial work and waterfronts, and over 600,000 acres of conserved conservation and recreation type lands. And more than half of that column is still in private ownership with, mm. with easements held on it. So it funds um, continue working for it for our rural economies. Like I said, farmland for rural economies. So um, it's we've covered a lot of ground and helped complete a lot of projects. And I think the key component of LMF not only is our mandate to work with willing landowners, but we're also mandated to match um, mm -hmm. what we pay out on a one-to-one -one basis. So it's given the state a lot of opportunity to leverage federal funds, whether it's the Forest Legacy Program or North American Wetland Conservation Act. Um, it's, you know, we've stretched every dollar that the public has, has provided for this use. I think that's such a key key thing for people to understand and to talk about with programs like LMF, right? Like you you think of that investment that the state is making, but you can you I mean you're able to double that and sometimes even more, right? I mean what you're doing like you said is leveraging this money to be able to access even more money to make these projects possible. And I think that's a huge opportunity that sometimes can get you know, over, maybe not overlooked, but you, you don't think about it sort of instinctively. Um, right. So thank, right. thanks for that reminder on that. Yeah. No, that's, that's very important. And, you know, you talked, you talked about this broad, the broad spectrum of projects. I mean, I think, again, we talk a lot about this here at NRCM and on the podcast is, you know, Maine people are so attached to our outdoor environment, but they experience it in lots of different ways, farming, fishing, hunting, hiking, canoeing, I mean, the spectrum. And I think that has been part of the secret sauce of LMF, right? Is it's kind of like, I don't know if ag agnostic is the right word. I don't know how, what you would say, but it, you know, it's very intentional in making sure that we're supporting the types of projects that like unlock community benefit for a wide range of uses, right? Absolutely. I see I see the program, a core mission of the program is to protect Maine's quality of place, you mm -hmm. know, to help not only recreational aspects, but I think that economic value of investing in land for the future is critical. Um, not only, like I, I already mentioned, working farms and forests and working waterfronts, certainly, but just it's sort of a driving force behind supporting our recreational economy, mm -hmm. hunting, fishing, snowmobiling, ATV, you, you name it. Um, our projects that are run the gamut and having that uh, economic um, impact, I think is critical to the success. And I think that's why the public, the public realizes that. And I think that's why they've been so supportive over the years. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And you just touched on the benefits of conservation land. Like I said, you've got a lot of experience in, in conservation. 
Um, you worked, we're going to talk a little bit later about your work endangered species coordinator. I, I would love to just hear from you. Um, you know, you talked about the benefits of LMF, but like broadly, how do you think about the benefits of, of conserving land, you know, protecting the environment, protecting wildlife in Maine? Why, you know, what, what would you tell somebody about why we need to do those things? You know, I think if if you're not convinced after the past couple of years we've all experienced, but I mean, one, you know, COVID recently just right. showed us the value of having these outdoor escapes that are accessible and local. Um, we're hearing more and more about the mental health benefits about getting outdoors. We're, we know we're in a biodiversity crisis and a climate crisis. Um, land, especially strategic land conservation, addresses both of those. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not making any more acreage in Maine. In fact, we're going to be losing it with sea level rise. And at the same time, we're seeing, I mean, our town just went through a reassessment. And I know others are up and down the coast. And land values are skyrocketing. And that's because so many people are starting to relocate to Maine to escape what we're seeing in the Southwest in terms of extreme temperatures and fires and flooding and this and that. Maine has, you know, always been this gem. And I think we're on the cusp of getting really discovered this time. Mm -hmm. um, so the investments we make today are really gonna shape what this state looks like in 50, 50 years. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's again, any of these functions you're looking at, but I think long-term climate resiliency is is really key and I think a, a direction I'd like to see the, the program take more in the future. Mm. Oh, super interesting. Um, I mean, I, I think you, just building on what we've been able to do in the past to better prepare us for the future, right? I mean, that exactly. makes so much sense. Um, well, I think people may not often realize that the land they're walking or hike, um, hiking on or exploring in whatever way they do was supported by LMF. Often there's this like little green sign that's posted by the trailhead or the pro or or it's on the project website or webpage that signifies that LMF supported a project. So I really encourage our listeners to be on the lookout for those signs because I always find it. I'm always like, you know, ever since I started at NRCM and learned about LMF in a really deep way, I'm kind. It's kind of like a fun little treasure hunt for me to see where <laughs> to see what I could see where what an LMF what what LMF has made possible. And we we do have a, a map viewer linked to our webpage where you can zoom in and pan around and see where LMF supported projects are near you. Nice. Yes. So go check that out for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I, I wanted to speak to you just from a timeliness perspective was um, just to also understand, like I said, the impact that this additional funding the that the legislature provided um, for LMF is having. So the impact that additional funding is having. Can you speak a little bit about, I know there's been a couple of rounds of projects that have received yep. funding since then. Can you speak a little bit about how this new funding has enabled you to conserve even more places in Maine? And as I understand it, I think it it sort of broadened uh, uh, in the scope to sort of community-based projects and deer wintering. Is that correct? Or yeah, deer, they always, deer yeah. wintering was actually a legislative action before this one. But mm -hmm. um, yes, there was in two parts, the $40 million uh, infusion of capital was great. We've already uh, protected about 50,000 additional acres with that money, the money that's 
become available so far. Probably 15,000 other acres in the hopper that we're still working through due diligence and um, application procedures and things of that nature. Um, and we're going to have funding rounds up through 2025, the way that uh, money was allocated. Um, but then the second part is this LD 1969 that uh, was passed in the last session, which was the act to expand uh, funding support for land conservation. And that had some real critical elements. It took our uh, funds and made a trust fund out of them, which means we can collect interest. <laughs> mm -hmm. One, uh, we, I just met with our um, accounting staff earlier this week, and we've already generated $100,000 worth of interest on that investment, which goes back into the program. Um, it does, as you say, define community conservation projects. I think that's an important uh, move in terms of giving a staff and the board clear lanes to move in. So if it's statewide significant, great, but now we have this whole section for community conservation projects for you know local towns and cities to, to use for their um, local needs. Um, additionally, we have a new uh, fund set up for stewardship, which mm -hmm. you know as more and more conservation lands come on on board and more and more use happens, the stewardship costs are, are starting to go up and it's been a real pinch point for local land trusts especially. So to have a funding source that can help take some of the pressure off um, will be great moving forward. Yeah, that's so important. I once worked um, I once worked at a place that did a lot of investment in buildings and with the, there was some was somebody on the board who encouraged in, investment in new buildings, but also maintenance. It's the same <laughs> thing. Like you buy the thing, you need to be able to maintain it. And you got and a invest. budget long term. Yeah. yeah the other makes... nice thing now is uh, with the trust fund, it's pretty clear that we can take private donations. So anybody oh, listening, anybody out there who wants to donate to the cause of Land for Maine's future, keep in Maine great, uh, certainly encourage it. I love that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you talked about sort of looking toward climate resiliency. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you see as the future of the LMF program of land for Maine's future, what holds promise? What are you really excited about as you're sort of digging into this and learning more about it? Um, I'm by nature a problem solver and I like to connect things. And I think right now where we are in state government, especially with uh, Governor Mills leadership on Maine won't wait and the prioritization of 30% conservation of Maine's natural and working lands. I think now is a critical time for the program to step up. I think we can, with operational things, we can certainly streamline, but to be the, the conduit to help get the state to that 30% um, by 2030 goal. Um, and part of that, the other interest I have is more closely aligning Land for Maine's future program with the State Growth Management Act in a way such that as towns throughout the state start adopting comprehensive plans and open space plans and identifying um, climate resilient landscapes for local protection, finding a way to channel uh, money more effectively towards those uh, local decisions and local plans to help towns implement um, on an almost town by town, region by region basis. I think that way we can start completing this 
network of connected mm. uh, resilient lands um, where they're at most threatened by conversion at this point. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm sure a lot of local towns and local committees <laughs> are excited to hear that. Um, well, that's awesome. Thanks for that vision and for speaking a little bit about looking forward. As I mentioned at the top, you've got this long professional history of working for Maine lands and wildlife. One of your past jobs was serving as the endangered species coordinator. Uh, of course, this year is the 50th anniversary of the Federal Endangered Species Act. So I just wanted to take, given that, you know, your past role, I'd love to hear from you about how you think of endangered species in Maine, threatened and endangered species in Maine, uh, the importance of investing in programs to recover these species, um, just given that we're at this sort of pretty big milestone of 50 years of the Endangered Species yep. Act. Yeah, uh, and Maine's Act, of course, is modeled right on the Federal Act. And as I mentioned earlier, we're in this biodiversity crisis, which is linked and uh, totally related to the climate crisis and protecting functional biodiversity and functional ecosystems is as critical as uh, maintaining or upgrading infrastructure to the uh, changes we're about to see with climate. But the way I look at it, Colin, you know, I've always thought that listing threatened or endangered species is, is the last resort we, we want to go to. It's, it's you know, uh, I'm dealing with an elderly parent now, and once you get in that assisted living type mode, it's very expensive. Uh, bills go up, treatment care is expensive. Endangered Species Act works the same way. It's much more public investment to try to recover these species much more implications for landowners. And I would love to figure out a system where we don't get there or where we start start slowing down the number of listings we have um, mm -hmm. and more proactively protect landscape functions and services. Um, we did just list, we I'm still have the IFNW hat on. Um, <laughs> we recently listed several species, I think last year, um, or in this past session, and you know things are changing. I mean, with bald eagle, we were very successful in bringing that back because you stopped using the pesticides, you start protecting nesting trees as sort of uh, a linear linear path. But the more recent listings, like salt marsh sparrow and Ashton's cuckoo bumblebee, things that are you know sea level rise related or pollinator decline related, or we've listed swallows, um, Bicknell's thrush, things that have this direct link to climate change. Uh, it's a little a little harder to see a path forward. Mm. Um, and, you know, at this point in, in my career, I'm looking more at how do we stop the bleeding and start mm -hmm. doing meaningful landscape conservation. Right. Yeah, and I just want to mention, um... I mean, that's so important, right? The role of conservation for wildlife. We talked a lot about the 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 uses LMF supports, but also it'll support, um, you know, it'll provide essential habitat for these species. One of the things NRCM's federal program is working to support is a, is a, a federal bill that's been sponsored by Senator Collins and Senator King called the Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which would sort of- It would be a game changer. Yeah. It, that's a great way to say it. Yeah, I wouldn't just inject funding into the state to support the sorts of programs you were involved in and 
have talked about. And I know the yeah. state has said it's really excited about the potential for that. So yeah, we're hoping to see that move. Sorely, sorely needed. And LMF is here to match it one-to-one. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Always on message. Um, well, you know, I wanted to just wrap up by, I love to, you know, I love to uh, hear from people across Maine about the work that they're doing, but I also love to hear about their passion for the environment and the outdoors. So I'd love to just find out, um, you know, how you like to explore the Maine outdoors when you're not at work. Do you and your family have a favorite activity, favorite spot to explore? Oh yeah. When I, I, you know, my gateway drug to conservation was birding back when I was like 11 years old. So I've indoctrinated my son and my wife and you know, I also, you know, grew up in coastal Maine, so I have salt water in my blood. And we're always, you know, going out to uh, islands, of course, those protected by LMF and, and U.S. fish and others. And this time of year, you know, the warbler migration, the shorebird mm. migration up and down our coast um, is so neat to see the seasonal change and just the abundance of birds with all the immatures migrating through now is kind of neat so that's you know between the boat and going to coastal state parks and that sort of thing that's how i like to spend my september <laughs> love it that sounds pretty good to me those migrations are are amazing that's for sure um steve thanks so much for taking the time to talk uh, with it's, us it's been a pleasure colin thank you yeah yeah it was really great to talk with you learn more about you uh and learn more about lmf and like i said we here at NRCM are excited about your leadership at LMF. We're grateful to you and your team for all the work you're doing. So thank you. Thank um, you for your great partnership. It's been enduring and you know, we rely on you guys. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? You there got you go. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I also just want to thank our listeners for tuning in as they do every couple of weeks. You guys make it, you you all make it possible. So thanks so much and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline, Frontline Voices. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work protecting Maine's environment, visit nrcm.org or follow us on social media at NRCM Environment.